Exactly one month previous, I'd never heard of Jay. My three weeks' termination of engagement leave had sped to a close. I'd spent it doing little or nothing unless you were prepared to consider sorting through my collection of military history books a job fit for a fully grown male. Not many of my friends were so prepared. I woke up saying to myself, Today's the day. But I didn't feel much like getting out of bed just the same. I could hear the rain even before I drew the curtains back. December in London. The soot-covered tree outside was whipping itself into a frenzy. I closed the curtains quickly, danced across the icy cold lino, scooped up the morning's post and sat down heavily to wait while the kettle boiled. I struggled into the dark worsted and my only establishment tie, that's the red and blue silk with the square design, but had to wait forty minutes for a cab. They hate to come south of the Thames, you see. It always had made me feel a little self-conscious, saying, War office, to cab drivers. At one time I'd asked for the pub in Whitehall, or said, I'll tell you when to stop, just to avoid having to say it. When I got out, the cab had brought me to the Whitehall Place door, and I had to walk round the block to the Horse Guards Avenue entrance. A champ vehicle was parked there. A redneck driver was saying, Cleared it one, to an oily corporal in dungarees. Same old army, I thought. The long, lavatory-like passages were dark and dirty, and small white cards with precise military writing labelled each green-painted door. GS3, Major this, Colonel that, Gentleman, and the odd anonymous tea-rooms from which bubbly old ladies in spectacles appeared when not practising alchemy within. Room 134 was just like any other. The standard four green filing cabinets, two green metal cupboards, two desks, fixed together face to face by the window, a half-full one-pound bag of Tate and Lyle sugar on the windowsill. Ross, the man I'd come to see, looked up from the writing that had held his undivided attention since three seconds after I had entered the room. Ross said, Well now, and coughed nervously. Ross and I had come to an arrangement of some years' standing. We had decided to hate each other. Being English... This vitriolic relationship manifested itself in oriental politeness. Take a seat. Well now, smoke? I had told him, no thanks, for two years, at least twice a week. The cheap inlay cigarette box from Singapore's Change Alley Market, with the butterflies of wood grain, was wafted across my face. Ross was a regular officer. That is to say, he didn't drink gin after 7.30pm, or hit ladies without first removing his hat. He had a long, thin nose, a moustache like flock wallpaper, sparse, carefully combed hair, and the complexion of a hovis loaf. The black phone rang. Yes? Oh, it's you, darling. Ross pronouncing each word with exactly the same amount of toneless indifference. To be frank, I was going to. For nearly three years... I'd worked in military intelligence. If you listen to certain people, you learn that Ross was military intelligence. He was a quiet intellect, happy to work within the strict departmental limitations imposed upon him. Ross didn't mind. Hitting Platform 5 at Waterloo with Rosebud in the buttonhole and Umbrella at the high port was Ross's beginning to a day of rubber stamp and carbon paper action. At last I was to be freed out of the army, 
out of military intelligence, away from Ross. Working as a civilian, with civilians, in one of the smallest and most important of the intelligence units. W-O-O-C, brackets P. Well, I'll phone you if I have to stay Thursday night. I heard the voice at the other end say, Are you all right for socks? Three typed sheets of carbon copies so bad I couldn't read them, let alone read them upside down, were kept steady into hand by the office tea money. Ross finished his call and began to talk to me, and I twitched facial muscles to look like a man paying attention. He located his black briar pipe after heaping the contents of his rough tweed jacket upon his desktop. He found his tobacco in one of the cupboards. Well now, he said. He struck the match I gave him upon his leather elbow patch. So you'll be with the provisional people.